There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme with uh, John Paul and Mairead actually taking your calls today at 1850 And just on a breaking news story that now has a Cork connection and this is to do with Wilshire Police who have found 15 people in the back of a lorry on a road near Chippingham. They were found last night and at that stage we, the report was a man in his 50s had been arrested. Now none of the people were in a serious condition. Thank God we're not looking at the, the story that we had from the week before last of the 39 uh, people inside in the refrigerated uh, container. Now it seems in this story that the driver alerted the police when he started hearing knocking at the back of his truck and Delaney's Inland Mall have now confirmed to C103 News this morning that the lorry was one of theirs and they're currently investigating the circumstances surrounding the uh, incident and if more on that story breaks throughout the morning we will bring it uh, to you but you would have to have huge sympathy for haulage firms and drivers of trucks at the moment who do their very best to secure their lorries and make sure that people don't get into uh, the back of them and and, I mean it looks when you're looking at what's coming out of the case so far the fact that the driver driver heard the knocking and called the police and then when the truck was opened the 15 people were inside and it would lead you to believe but at what stage did the 15 get in to the back of the uh, lorry as I say the core connection now with it's uh, it's a lorry from Delaney's in uh, Glamire but thankfully in some ways there is good news in this story that none of them are are in a serious condition and that they are all okay. Now uh, also uh, we've had a call in to say that there has been electricity outage what I'm staying in Glanmire in Glanmire this morning and the power is due to be restored at about half past ten so if you're one of those without the lights this morning you won't have to wait very much longer and Maria was in touch with us this morning as well to say that her mam is in a bit of a state because she lost important personal documents in Mallow Town yesterday they were contained in an envelope that her mam believes she dropped somewhere on the main street in Mallow yesterday after lunchtime so if anybody found them picked them up could you pop them in please either to Malagar the station who have been informed or if you contact us here at the studio we can put you in contact with Maria and get those documents that say they are of a personal nature and actually I was on Main Street in Mallow yesterday after the show and just kind of one of those miserable dreary days so you could imagine people scurrying around going from A to B did you spot an envelope on the ground and did you pick it up if so Maria would love to hear from you now coming up on the programme this morning we're going to be discussing 
school related topics because I'm going to be in a couple of minutes speaking with Tusla who have just launched this week a new campaign to try to tackle children missing school and it seems there's more absenteeism in the month of November than at any other month of the year and I suppose September starts and there's this big push by parents and by children to say look let's do the very best that you can in school this year and you know let's see how we can get on with not missing any days from school and then they roll through the first two months of the school term and then they get their midterm break and then they go back at the start of November and I wonder has it got anything to do with that bit of a break when they get the Halloween week off and then they go back to school and usually it all coincides with the clocks having gone back so you know it's darker in the evenings and the weather is getting worse and is that a reason that children just don't want to get out of the cot in the morning (laughs) the arguments start and then we were all great we all did it in our day able to pull the wool over your mother's eyes and I suppose and father's and I suppose some were able to do it better than uh, others I mean I don't think in any way we're taking from if children get sick they get sick and they're going to miss school and everybody accepts that and if they've got a bad bug you know the best thing and the thing that you must do is keep your child home from school obviously on the day of the bug and for a couple of days after make sure that you know that they're not spreading any of the germs when they go back into school so I don't think Tussler are talking about that but this is to do I think with uh, children who are missing school who really shouldn't be missing school. So we'll talk about that but I'm also interested in your thoughts and comments if you have children of school going age or if this is something that you remember when your children were going to school and it's the dreaded homework. Now some see it as dreaded homework, others others don't. Some children come home in the evening, sit down, get their homework done, never a complaint but for other children it can be a struggle and it can be a big bone of contention between the parents and it can create rows every day of the week trying to get Johnny or Mary to sit down and focus on the homework. Because of that, a primary school in Dublin took the decision that they're going to scrap and they have scrapped written homework and they've done it because they say that they want to ease the pressure on both the parents and on the students. It's Loretto Convent in Rathfarnham. Now they are still expecting students to do their spellings and they're still expecting them to learn their tables because that's something that you can only do at home. So they're expecting that. Now whether there's a bit of reading involved as well, I don't know, but it's the spellings and the times tables that they're still learning in school. So they still have to do that at home, but there's no written homework. Teachers at the school said there has been an improvement in the ability of students when it comes to spellings and tables, because obviously when they go home, if that's all they have to focus on, they'll probably spend a little bit longer learning the spellings and a little bit longer learning the tables than they did when they had this maybe an hour or two of written work to do uh, as well. The principal is a nun by the name of Sister Maria Highland and she said the reason that they made this move was in a response to demands faced by parents. Sister Highland said we, we asked what was it achieving by sending children home laden with homework. And I suppose, she said, we were also being responsive and relative to present reality for parents who are busy. Maybe both parents are working, she says, and they're coming home late in the evening and then when they, by the time they get home to sit down and supervise the homework, the children are tired. So she said, we decided that we what we would do is that we would take a, a written homework away, which seems to take forever, she said, for some children. But they made the decision that the spelling and a little bit of oral work and the times tables, they'd leave it at that and they're getting a great response to it. And I imagine it has come as 
huge relief to some of the parents. So we're interested in your thoughts on this. And have you ever gone into school to discuss homework with your teacher to say, look, I really do feel my son or daughter is getting too much homework. And what are the classes where, and it seems to be more primary school than secondary school, but what are the classes where they seem to get excessive homework? And is it down, can it be down to individual teachers? You'll often hear children when they know they're going into a new class and they'll hear that they're going into Mr. Ryan's class and the word will be already around the school, oh, Mr. Ryan, he's desperate for loading on the homework and children then have a dread of going in because they know Mr. Ryan is going to send him home with bucket loads of homework and then it's the parents are picking it up, particularly if you have a child, as Sister Highland says, for some of the children, they seem to take forever just seems to take longer and I don't know why that is whereas for others uh, they will fly to it. Now there is another side of the story in that some parents worry that if there's no homework coming home some people make the argument that homework is a good way of keeping a home school communication going so the parents will know what's going on in the classroom if they're supervising the homework they'll know exactly what the son and daughters are doing and for that reason some parents like it but my gut feeling is that the majority of parents absolutely hate the homework because you'll often talk to parents when it's the you know time for going back to school particularly after the summer holidays you know, and there's usually the general banter is the school holidays have been long enough and, you know, the, the children need the routine and, you know, parents are looking forward to them going back. But the but usually is, but I'm not looking forward to having the homework in the evening time, particularly if it causes rows. So is this school, Loretta Convent in Rathfarnham, are they doing the right thing? And would you like your son or daughter's school to have done it when yours were smaller? Or if, as I say, you're a parent of with school going children, would it be something if it came to a vote in your school would you be saying yes absolutely abolish uh, homework except for as I said the bit of spelling and the bit of times tables 1850 and reading I would absolutely throw reading into, into there because I do think reading is so important your thoughts welcomed on that we're going to hear from the residents of Watergrass Hill we didn't get to this issue yesterday there is a fear among some residents in Watergrass Hill that they are going to lose their natural spring water supply now I don't know how many people who get public water supply actually get it from a natural spring. There is nothing like the water from a natural spring. If you have your own well at home and you're drinking natural spring water, you will know there's just something fantastic about it. There's just it's it's just it's it's, it's the type of water that many people pay huge sums of money for to buy via bottled water. So the luxury of turning on your tap and having that kind of water coming out of it uh, really is special. So I can understand why the good people of Watergrass Hill want to hang on to that uh, water supply. After 11 this morning, we're going to be speaking with a listener who we last spoke with either last year or the back end of the year before when she joined us to talk about the, the Versatis pain relief patches. Remember the Versatis pain relief? patches for weeks and weeks and weeks radio stations all over the country were talking about these pain relief patches which are expensive patches but they were were removed from medical card holders and they were also removed from the drug payment scheme. They were only allowed, doctors were only allowed to give them out under medical card or the drug payment or the drug payment scheme would cover them if you had shingles. So they, it was, they, they really are quite strong pain relief 
patches and they work. But a cohort of people were using them for a variety of different ail- ailments and we spoke with one lady in Mallow who was really in an awful lot of pain. She has degenerative disc disease, so back pain and just was bed bound uh, with the pain. I mean, it was just heartbreaking to hear her along with this, a lot of other similar stories from all over the country. Some people managed to appeal and get the Versace's patches but others just had to get on with it and find another way of getting pain relief. Well that same lady is back to us because she's now come up against another problem with the HSC and this time it's trying to access a motorised uh, wheelchair and without it she's virtually housebound so we'll, we'll speak with her on the programme today. A member of Angarda Shia will join us for this week's uh, Crime File and then after half past 12 today, it being Thursday, that means Jane Pickett, a resident vet, will join us answering all of your pet questions. So throughout the morning, this morning, you can get your pet questions in uh, to us at 1850-333-103 into either John Paul Armourade or you can text our WhatsApp uh, 0862-103-103. And going through the papers this morning when it comes to pet issues, there are two dreadful. Now, I haven't even read down through the full stories because anyone will know I'm I'm really not good when it comes to animal cruelty stories. But there's two animal cruelty stories making the papers uh, today. One is from here in Cork and it's to do with another horse has uh, died after months of mistreatment and a warning has now been issued that this is the city has a severe animal cruelty problem. My God, isn't that shocking? The horse has, is, who's named Trudy was the second to be found by the volunteer group My Lovely Horse Rescue in recent months. And Kelly Mellerick is quoted in the Echo Today uh, who runs the rescue charity for horses, says the animal uh, had to be put down by a vet immediately due to the extent of uh, her injuries. Trudy was found behind a ditch by a woman walking her dog and Kelly says the horse had simply been left to die. Months have been starved and underfed. Months of beatings and cuttings. Many were old, she said, but some were fresh and some were uh, oozing. Months have been ridden too hard, her legs in bits from it and then her beautiful eyes, her delicate mouth burnt. I can't, I'm not even going to get into the rest of it. It's just shocking. Shocking. And then there's another story from, that's from Cork. There's a one then from up the country from County Roscommon uh, and there's pictures in all of the papers of this poor dog. It's a lurcher dog was rescued. She was found chained to a gate while nursing her six newborn puppies. The photos were released by the ISPCA and they show what they reckon. The lurcher is about two years of age, struggling to break free from a metal neck Shattle, while her puppies were clinging onto her stomach. A passerby disco- discovered what's been described as, as a horrifying scene in a field near Elfin in County Roscommon. They alerted the Gardaí and then they subsequently alerted the ISPCA. It's unclear how long that the dog had been left chained to the gate without food and without water and the puppies now remain under the care of the ISPCA in Longford until they're old enough to be rehomed and um, they've gone on to utterly condemn uh, the incident. Um, and the ISPCA in Roscommon said, I know people were cruel but this is beyond cruel and they say, when will the government do something with all the cruelty cases what has to happen for stricter laws to uh, come in. It's just shocking, shocking. 
Uh, anyway, we have lovely people looking after their dogs and cats and various other animals who regularly contact this programme. RTE. You'd have to feel for the staff of RTE uh, today because the big news coming out of Donnybrook uh, is that RTE uh, are planning to reduce the workforce by 200. And I always hate to hear of jobs going anywhere, but particularly within media. Media is tough. It's a tough enough place at the moment, but a series of measures are going to be introduced to tackle what is a financial crisis at uh, RTE. And they're hoping to make savings of 60 million euro over the next uh, three years. The closure of the existing studios in Limerick. That's going to go down very badly, I imagine, in the Limerick area. They're also going to close the digital radio network. They're talking about the sale of the RTE guide and the closure of the Airtel service. Actually, I was, we were talking in the office before I came on air this morning. I was even surprised that the Airtel service was still there. But anyway, that's going to go. RTE News understands that although the production of Lyric FM in Limerick will cease. A new studio is going to open for news coverage and then Limerick FM production will move to Cork and to Dublin. I suppose if you want to keep it keep it local, it's a bit of good news for Cork because there had been talks at one stage. There had been rumours going around that the Cork studios were going to uh, close. The fact that the Limerick FM production will move to Cork, that bodes well for the future of the studios in Cork. Now it was last September that Art the Media's Organisation's Director General D Forbes and of course D Forbes is one of our own from a Dreamer League in West Cork uh, she's told Sath that its financial situation was unlike anything that they'd ever seen before and the executive and the board were reassessing everything according to D Forbes everything was on the table they looked at everything to try to make the cost savings and to try to reduce costs by 60 million that is a lot of money to try to reduce costs by so the review on the future of the organisation is now being uh, complete it's all over the papers and all over the airwaves today it seems the plan to brief staff was not due to happen until next week but the information got somehow got leaked to the Irish Times so therefore now RT are out trying to explain so from a staff point of view that certainly wasn't the way the staff would want to have heard it particularly to hear that 200 of their work colleagues it's a possibility they are going to lose their jobs the, the 60 million that they're talking about that'll be saved over the next three years so from 2020 to 2023 now some of the things they're going to do they are going to reduce the fees paid to top contracted on-air presenters by 15% there's always a big hoo-ha about the top presenters and the amount of money they receive and a lot of people are always gobsmacked at the amount of money that they receive. So they're going to get a drop by 15%. The executive board themselves are reducing their wages by uh, 10%. They're also going to consult staff and unions on a number of other initiatives. Now one of them does include a pay freeze and tiered pay reductions. Now the pay freeze uh, proposal is definitely going to go down like a lead balloon, particularly for the lower paid staff uh, because many of those workers have not received a pay increase in over a decade and then asking them to have a further pay freeze. I can't see the unions accepting that one. Anyway, that's part of it. Tiered pay reductions. They also this they need to reduce their headcount by around 200. That's not going to be done over three years though. That's got to be done by next year. D Forbes says RTE had a plan, was confident that it could address many of the challenges it faces and to bring the organisation back to stability. She said RTE remains in discussions with the government and is doing all it can to return RTE to a stable financial position. But she said it 
she uh, cannot fulfil its remit without immediate reform of the TV licence system. And RTE want more money from the TV licence and the only way they feel they can get that is either to go for an increase on the people who do pay it or what's been spoken about so many times. We've discussed it here in the programme this kind of like a household charge a broadcasting charge it would have nothing at all to do with you having a TV in the house because people now not every household even has a TV anymore people watch things on tablets on your computers on their smartphones so you don't need to have a TV to access television programmes anymore so therefore there's been talks do away with the television licence, bring in this broadcasting charge that every single household would pay. You know, somebody said, doesn't that sound like property tax, Patricia? We're not paying that already. Anyway, that's what RTE certainly want because they reckon that they would get more money out of the TV licence. And failing that, you increase the TV licence, which is 160 euro at the moment. You bump it up by 10 euro, 20 euro a year instead. But there's certainly... Certainly, that was not a runner with the government for sure. Um, she says that if they got money in, they would hope to invest in more high quality Irish drama, develop a new integrated media centre in Donnybrook. And they also would hope to invest invest in a new digital infrastructure. But all of the RTE's digital radio stations are to cease. That's the Symphony Orchestra transfers to the National Concert Hall. I don't know how much money gets saved uh, by that. But they say their big, their main challenge includes um, changing audiences, declining commercial income and what they termed a broken licence fee uh, system. But if they get it all back on track, it'll be, I'd love to see them investing in new high quality Irish drama because whenever we mention RTE, particularly with regard to the television licence and the fact that people pay €160 a year, we inevitably get calls in from listeners saying, what are we paying for? It is all repeats. And I have to say, I have noticed of late when I'm flicking around to see if there's anything that I want to watch on the TV God, I would say nine out of ten times, particularly that early evening, you know, between seven, eight, up to nine o'clock, when I switch over to RTE, inevitably I'm getting repeats. And it's just so frustrating. Either repeats of a programme that was just on a few days ago, Ireland's Fishes Family, which I have to say I'm really enjoying, that gets repeated within uh, a day or two. I was flicking around last night and Super Garden. I said, oh, Super Garden started again. And I realised, no, it can't be starting again. That's last year's. So it was a repeat. It's just, it's, it is frustrating. And people query then, why do we pay a television licence if all we have is repeats? Steve Forbes will say, she's doing the best that she can. They need to make cost uh, savings. They are in a kind of dire financial situation and something needs to be done. The Child and Family Agency Tusla is launching its first nationwide attendance drive in a bid to tackle absenteeism from school, which it seems gets worse in this, the month of November. Joining me is uh, Dan O'Shea, who is Regional Manager with Tusla Education Support uh, Services. Good morning to you, Dan. You're welcome to the programme. Dan, why do you believe if we see a drop in attendance in the month of November? I suppose there's a number of factors, Patricia, I suppose particularly illness among younger children. It's uh, usually the time you have the colds and flus and tummy bugs start to kick in, but that would be one of the factors. I suppose another factor is that I suppose the, the get up and go and zest that was there for the start of the new school year has maybe waned a little for some pupils and parents might find it more difficult to motivate them to get them out to school or maybe the parents themselves are lacking a bit of motivation as the weather is getting a bit more bleak and damp and colder. So they would be just some of the factors that we see that contribute to it. And roughly how many children miss school every day? 
Uh, throughout the country, would you believe there's 60,000 probably absent from school on any given day? It sounds like a huge number, but I suppose the positive side is this close than a million that are in, in attendance at any given time. Now, of the 60,000, there would be legitimate excuses for many, many of those students. I mean, school isn't the place for a sick child. Yeah. So it's in the best interest of a child to keep them at home if they're unwell, because obviously if they're coming into school with something contagious, then obviously other pupils are going to be affected, which will have a ripple effect on the attendance level of that particular class. So we would and, actually, and schools will actually encourage parents that if your child is coming down, particularly with a, with a tummy bug, to keep them at home and, and at least 24, 48 hours to their symptoms free. I mean, isn't that the standard advice? That would be the standard advice, absolutely, because, I mean, the last thing, I mean, a, a sick child, first and foremost, won't be able to concentrate in school and if they need to feel that they need to be excused from the class and they may be too upset to ask, that even leads to anxiety and anxiety can build itself up. And I suppose that's one of the issues that we find uh, is a contributing factor to absences from school is uh, anxiety among young children you know, which wasn't a factor maybe 10 or 20 years ago, but it's becoming very prevalent of late. Why are we seeing so much anxiety in young people? I, I, it's, it's very hard to pinpoint this, Patricia, but I, I, I think it's like that, um, I suppose the, the, the levels of resilience maybe have, have dropped a little over the years and that we see that, you know, children get, get upset very easily in class, uh, that it's, um, it's much harder for teachers now maybe to get them to concentrate at times. So, look, there's any number of factors, but I suppose uh, for those that have severe anxiety, one of the issues that we have is that there's very few uh, support services in, in the way of um, psychology are uh, available to them uh, in, in a timely manner. There are quite long waiting lists. So maybe sometimes the, the anxiety perpetuates itself before it can actually be dealt with. And then the, the knock-on of that is that child will miss more and more school while they're waiting. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, you know, and uh, you know, and the more they miss, the more it's harder to catch up. And then if they feel that they fall behind, that leads to further anxiety because yeah. they feel that they're different to the other pupils in the class, maybe who have plowed ahead uh, with parts of the curriculum and they haven't been able to keep up because of their absences. You're calling the drive every school day counts. How, how does it work? Uh, we can't drive every school day counts because that's exactly what we're saying is that for every day a child is absent from school, the day missed and I suppose education is something that you don't sometimes get a second chance to catch up. And also for the pupil in the class who's missing, you'd say, oh, that's okay if it doesn't affect the other 29 or 30 children in the class. But for example, if a teacher has gone on to a new maths concept and you know, there's been two or three hard days trying to get the concept taught to the, the class mixing somebody who saunters back into the class, haven't been absent for no reason, then the teachers won't have to commit time to try and help that child to catch up. So the other students are really waiting while that teacher is giving the time to the student who hasn't been able to attend on the given day. But again, I'm talking about the students that who don't have legitimate reasons for attending school. And so that's why we're saying that every school day counts. Uh, when you take it, that the average uh, primary school child will miss uh, about 10 days and the average um, post-primary school student will miss 13 days in, in any given year. If you add them over the lifetime of a child in school, you know, it, it can be it's quite substantial. It is, yeah, you know. Like, it's a, when, when you see those figures in print, you think, yeah, yeah. that's that's a lot of, of, of school time missed. And I mean, the obvious one is, as you mentioned, it's the, the education and children get, you know, one shot at education. So it's vital that they're, you know, they're there every day. But, but outside of that, outside of the education side of it, Children suffer socially as well, won't they, if they, if they end up missing a lot of school? Well, 
Well, they do, because that's one of the things that we would always say is like, you know, where do you make your friends for life? More than likely, you make them in school and, you know, where's your best friend? Who's your best friend in school? That's the kind of questions that also adults will ask young children, you know, who's your best friend? And they'll name, name them by name. But if they're missing for a couple of days, children move on. Mm. And maybe by the time they get back, maybe that child who you thought your best friend has made they another a new best friend. friend. Yeah. And you were talking about anxiety levels. That will lead to anxiety because you feel then that you may be alienated as a result of it and you don't have the friend that you thought you had. And, you know, so, I mean, from a social aspect, it can't ever be underestimated the importance of attending school. And that's why we say every school day counts both from an educational and a social point of view. But isn't, Dan, attention paid by the school if a pupil misses more than 20 days in a school year? Yes, there, there's a statutory requirement on all schools to report to us any child who has missed 20 days or more in school. So that's the statutory requirement. However, I would have and to what happens? Well, I'd have to say first and foremost, is like we would be looking at schools to refer to us the particular children that they have a concern about. Okay. Because while we get the report statistically of the child who has missed 20 days, God forbid if a child is in hospital or undergoing treatment, I think the last thing that a parent would want is a knock on the door from us and saying, why isn't a child in school when mm. they've been very sick? So that's why we look at the children who need to be targeted with extra support, maybe to help them to overcome the difficulties that they're experiencing uh, in their attendance in school. So what we're looking at is schools to refer to us, the children where the schools first and foremost have tried interventions. That's things like calling in the parents, having a chat with them, saying, look, do you know that the child is missing maybe every Thursday, every Friday, maybe Monday mornings are a difficulty? Is there any particular issue that's causing the child to, to miss school? Maybe it's something to do with the curriculum or in post-primary school, maybe they're struggling with one of the subjects and they find it easier if there's a double maths or a double Irish, double French together. That might be the time that you see the child bumping off. And I suppose an, an interesting piece of research I read one time was that, you know, you talk about early school leavers and dropouts and the research said that children don't drop out of school, they fade out, you know, right. so you have to look for the early warning signs. And what is one of the early warning signs is only absenteeism in itself. And the campaign, Dan, is also focusing on children arriving late for school. It, can that be an ongoing issue in, in some schools? And, and it, what it, are the effects? Well, the, the effects are first and foremost, if you're, if you're not in school in time, again, we're talking about the anxiety of the child is they're arriving in late, the other children have started with their work, the teachers probably well into the teaching uh, of the day, whatever is, is on the, the teaching curriculum for the day. So that child, again, is, is uh, playing catch-up. So what we would say to parents about being school-ready, and being school-ready is the preparation that really goes in the night before. So if you are coming to school, it's important that maybe you have the lunch in the fridge from the night before, that the school bag is there at the hall door ready to go, that the coats are ready that you're not tearing around the house in the morning looking for the uniform or the school tie or the shoes. Because what happens? Arguments start. Yeah. And if arguments start, anxiety happens. You're going into a child, you're going to school again, where the child is uptight, they may be late, and then it takes them a while to settle into the, the teaching and learning environment in the school. So half the morning is gone. And if you're turning up 10 or 15 minutes late every day for school, you take that five days a week, that could be two and a half hours, you multiply it by a month, you're into 10 hours, you multiply it by a year, you will have a substantial amount of uh, the equivalent of days lost uh, if you're turning up late for school. Yeah, and that's up to the parents to be, as you say, be organised. Be organised. Uh, yeah. yeah, all right. OK, uh, listen, Dan, thank you for that. And thanks okay. for joining us on the programme. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Dan O'Shea, who is Regional Manager with the Tusla Education Support uh, Service and that new uh, initiative where every day 
counts. Get your children into school, please. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Madonna, Prince, Toto, I play them all. Plus a brain twister to wreck your head and a Facebook question of the day. Like, what's the weirdest thing you ever ate? Crocodile, I suppose. You've eaten crocodile? A bit of crocodile, yeah. Wow, I am impressed. Weekdays from one. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from one. C103. Some householders in Watergrass Hill are concerned about the future of their existing water supply and are failing in their attempts to get a meeting with Irish Water to raise the issues concerning them. Barry Curtin is a resident in Watergrass Hill and he joins me to outline exactly what is going on. Good morning to you, Barry. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose, explain the background here. I'm led to believe in parts of Watergrass Hill, your water connection comes from a natural spring. Yes. Um, I suppose the background to it really is that um, in 1948, there's a a highly productive spring to the east in Watergrass Hill. In 1948, they put a case on around it, which is a structure. To, to grab it, and uh, it's a gravity flow to a pump house, a very short uh, pumping then to a reservoir, and it's gravity to Watergrass Hill, all within less than a kilometre. How many households are served by this supply? Well, up to 2010. Up to t- it, it, it's hard to say in Watergrass Hill, no, because of the building programme that's going on, but the whole village, the adjoining roads and the um, three new estates were served completely by this supply up to 2010. And I believe local people fought hard to maintain the supply, even going as far as Europe. Was that for funding? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, um, I suppose in 2000, uh, around 2000 or whatever, it was seen that a quarry, there's a quarry, if I could just explain to your listeners the, the, the way the water regime works, we know this because we had a hydrogeologist to do um, a study on it for this, this Brussels thing. The reason we had to go to Brussels is because we were looking for this spring to be protected for 10 years with our local authority and um, they were failing to do it. In a time where under the Water Framework Directive uh, they were obliged to do that. Okay. Now, what we did there is we, we, we I suppose was the only avenue open to us. Um, we, we, in 2007 we started getting a petition ready for Brussels and it took it took three years and with the hydrogeologist fee and so on, it cost us seven thousand euros. So uh, in two thousand and ten, in February two thousand and ten, we presented this in in Brussels in the Parliament, which was it was a great relief to be able to do it. And you know, when you hear the talk about Brexit now and everything like that, it it was great to be a citizen of the EU. And I said it at the time great. before we started. So anyway, the outcome of that is that, um, we were no sooner back when there was a source protection written for it and it's on the EPA website at so, the moment. So, so, so you, won, you won your case and at that stage you were under, water was under the remit of Cork County Council and you didn't have any problems under Cork County Council and they were maintaining it. Is that right? Well, you know, I suppose once the source protection went into place, it is fair to say that Cork County Council did outstanding work in upgrading this system for four years. Okay. The source was reinforced. It, it is it, like never before. It's, it's, it's like a golf green. It's cut every month. The grass is cut there and so on. The pump house was completely automated and the new reservoir was fitted. And like it's a low energy uh, scheme right on the eastern side of the village. 
And like, as I said to you, it served the whole of Watergrass Hill and the adjoining roads and three estates up to 2010. Okay, so bring me up to date then. What's been happening since it's come under the control of Irish Water? Well, since it's come under the control of Irish Water, we believe that that they've failed to undertake basic maintenance of the scheme. Like, say, for instance, uh, I walked that area now at least one... You're, 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 you're sorry, you're breaking up there a little bit to just uh, move ever so slightly with your, to get a better phone line. You walk every day to where? I, I walk near the spring every day. Okay. And what at do you see? One, well, uh, at least once a week. And about two years ago, I, I, I could see that the, there was a big change, that the water from the spring was coming out through the, the, the flow path where, where it used to, I'd say, before it was captured. And that wasn't happening before? No. It, that, that path was dry up to two years ago. So, like, there has been no supervision, I, I'd say, on this since Irish Water took over. There's a complete sea change here with regard to... The, these guys were on the ground before, the, these, these guys working for Cork County Council. And I believe that, like, certainly, if you saw if two years ago, if, there, if you were missing 50% of the water, you would surely investigate it. Irish Water did not investigate that. And then, and at the moment, it's 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 you've you've been switched to a different water scheme. Well, I'm sti- I'm I'm the first connection to this supply, and I'm still on it. And uh, because Irish, we we got onto Irish Water, and they uh, tell us that during routine sampling in August of this year, they found cryptosporidium, and they did second sampling in early September, and they once again detected cryptosporidium and at that yes. stage as an emergency measure to avoid a boil water notice to the community the vase were closed then the, to the spring supply and the Nakraha scheme was extended so you're lucky that you have another can supply that you can connect to yes, but you want have. you want to stay with the spring water oh absolutely why absolutely. Why, well, why why is well, it so important to you because you know um, water that's taken out of our rivers now because of the dreadful conditions of our rivers. Water that's taken in off of rivers is dead water. It's dead water and it has to be brought back. And, you know, there are a multitude of chemicals being used to do that. What we are saying here is our water is not broken. It's coming out of a rock. That Irish water's kind of lack of maintenance here since they've taken over. I would say contributed to this cryptosporidium because the health in the water scheme is the true, the true put flushing. Have you ever had crypt- cryptosporidium in the water before? Absolutely not. People have drinking with seventy years, and it I would have, have been tested by Irish by Cork County Council regularly at the time. Oh, I would, I, yeah. I, I would, I would assume so. But the testing is very rigorous now. In fairness, okay, like, okay, you, you, you have tried to have a meeting with Irish Water. Am, am I right in saying you've been unsuccessful? Yes, we've tried what? twice to get a meeting with them. And what are they saying to you? They're not saying anything to us. They're the, what they're doing is they're providing what they call a local representative support desk. In other words, if a TD or a county councillor makes some kind of um, a representation to them, they have a desk for it. But they will not talk. They will not talk to people. And have you got any public rep trying to contact Irish Water on your behalf? Oh, absolutely. We, we, we've and are they to, are they getting anywhere? They, there was two statements put out. I have the, the one that was put out yesterday here yeah. and whatever, and it's very interesting. It says here, it is noted that this surface water is not a result of any leak. This is what we've been saying, that there's a serious leak at the back of the caisson that's covering the spring. 
Now they're making that assumption, and then they go on to say specialist assessments of the hydrology of the area that they're, they're, they're engaging in that. But they're actually making the statement before they get in the, the specialist uh, accountable at all. So like, what and, and they also say that the spring will not be brought back into production until such time as adequate treatment barriers have been installed or a decision has been made on, on an alternative supply for the scheme. Oh, yeah. but, and that's but, where your worry is. They're going to look it, at the alternative supply for the scheme. Yes, we yeah. believe that they kind of, they've deliberately backed off here and that they're writing the book to get the answer that they want. OK, all right. Well, we're, you're, you are endeavouring, you at least want to meet with Irish Water. Let them sit down with you and and so that you can put forward and the res- local residents can put forward your concerns and then at least hear back uh, from them. We'll get back on to Irish Water again to see if there's anything, that if we'll get any kind of a hope uh, the, of a meeting between you guys. In the meantime, Barry, keep in contact uh, with us and uh, we'll speak again. But uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks very much. Okay, good morning to you. That is uh, Barry Curtin from Watergrass uh, Hill. And as I say, the response that we got from Irish Water was just that they're kind of working on it at the moment but the spring won't be brought back into production until such time as adequate treatment barrier has been installed our decision made for the alternative supply and they're on the alternative supply at the moment your gut instinct would tell you if it goes down to cost that they'll stick with the alternative supply if that's the cheaper option we'll wait and see 1850 John Paul and Marage taking your calls this morning text or WhatsApp at 0862 We've got news at 11 on the way. I'll catch up with a lot of your calls and comments coming in, uh, particularly on the schools issue. And I can see a lot of people not having a lot of sympathy for RTE. Uh, Particularly, I have sympathy, though, with the fact that 200 are going to lose their jobs. But um, uh, not everybody that supportive of, of, certainly when it comes to wanting to pay more on a television licence, people are simply saying uh, no. So I'll get your calls and comments and we'll also speak uh, with the lady who's having a problem with the HSC. She's desperately in need of a motorised wheelchair. C103 Anthems. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. My apologies, I should have mentioned at the end of my interview with Barry Curtin on behalf of the Watergrass Hill residents fighting to have that natural spring uh, as their main supply of water. There's an information meeting on the Watergrass Hill spring water issue that's going to take place at the Arts Centre in Watergrass Hill and that's on at nine o'clock tonight. Obviously all of the householders affected by that are welcome to attend. So nine o'clock tonight in the Arts Centre in Watergrass Hill. And thank you to a very generous, I don't know if this is a male or a female, I'm trying to look at the handwriting to see is it a man or a woman, I'm not too sure. But a letter, a lovely handwritten letter has come in from Skibbereen in West Cork with uh, 50 euro inside in with the letter saying uh, good morning I just want to give you a donation for that young lady that you met in Belarus on your recent trip there back in May for Christmas gifts for her three boys uh, my heart goes out to them give up the good work uh, signed a listener in Skibreen such a generous generous thing to do thank you yeah and I know that young girl Vika who 
from when she was about eight up to when she was 18. For about 10 years, she used to come. She was in an orphanage. She used to come to Mallow in the summer and, and was wonderful. We watched her grow every summer. Lovely, lovely a young girl. And she's grown into a lovely young woman and just unfortunately fell on very, very hard times. And because she's an orphan, she doesn't have that family support that some of the other children would have. And we found her in a desperate situation when we went there in May. Now, there is some good news. I mean, thanks to the generosity, we did some fundraising, just a small little bit of fundraising before we went out in case we came across anything that we felt needed doing. And so Vika was one of the ones we helped out when we were there because she had no cooker. I remember the same day and we went out and we got her a cooker. Um, But we got her moved. She's about to move into, if she hasn't already moved this week, into a new apartment because the conditions were just... It reminded me of something out of the famine days here in this country. It was just shocking. So she's moving into a new apartment with her three little boys and we've managed with the money that we had raised and that people have been very... And listeners to this programme have been more than generous when I spoke about her. And we've got her some new beds and there's a new fridge and a washing machine and just the bits and pieces that you'd need to start up a, a home. And, and please God, we have her back on the straight and narrow. She's going to... Con- she will need continued uh, support, but... Uh, I think for this Christmas to, to have been in our own homes thinking of her and that squalor would have been dreadful so she'll certainly have a good Christmas and I will make sure to that listener who sent on that 50 euro I will make sure that they, when we send the money on that it does go in gifts because they're children at the end of the day and they deserve to have a Christmas as well so thank you I'm always blown away by people's kindness you are too too generous OK let me go to your calls and comments in will we start with homework we will when I mentioned this school in it's the Loretta Convent in Dublin one of the Loretta Convents in Dublin they just decided you know in Having spoke with parents, and I'm assuming it started out with a lot of parents complaining about the amount of homework that their children had. So the Dublin Prime Primary School, Rest of in Rath Farnham, they decided to scrap all written homework and they just asked children to do some spellings and they asked them to do their tables and that's it. And what's interesting is the spellings, their spellings and their tables across all classes have improved. And I imagine that there's a lot less stress at home in the evening times because they've got no written homework to do. Some of your thoughts in on that. This is by email to Patricia at c103.ie from Eileen to say, Hi, I heard on your programme about that school in Dublin who've banished homework. Hooray is all I can say. I work as a nanny and on a fine day I often say to the children, will we go for a walk on the beach? And all I get is, no, no we've got homework to do. When my children were going to school, a teacher gave me this piece of advice. Never do homework after school. Let the children out. Let them play. Let them let off some steam. Then do their homework after their tea. I heard another person say, I missed more of university when I was note taking than if I'd actually listened to the lecturer giving the lecture. A healthy body is a healthy mind. And in this day and age, a bit of fresh air is much more important than homework. (laughs) How right you are, but it's to get the children to get out and get in that fresh air. But I'm sure if the school said that, instead of homework, you've got to go out and be be outside and play for a half an hour. I tell you, the children would swap. And so would the parents. In a heartbeat. Neve says, my son comes home and I can spend over an hour with him in the evenings doing written homework. This is most evenings. So I get home from work at about 6.30. My husband would come home at a similar time. We then have to have dinner and it's down to, and then we have dinner and then it's down to homework. And that can go on until 8pm. The children go to bed at 9. So we don't really get much quality time with them, mainly because of the homework. Homework can be frustrating. It can cause arguments. So I 
I would not class this as quality time. Teachers really need to think about the level of homework they're giving. 15 to 20 minutes, I feel, says Neva's loads. But over an hour every night, simply too much. The children are drained and absolutely exhausted by the end of it. Thanks for that, Neve. Anne says, how can teachers qualify the amount of homework they give? For example, my son can get 30 minutes to one hour homework and that's most nights, while his cousin can get between 10 and 20 minutes a night. My fella could be stuck in the books for ages, yet he hears from his cousin, he's finished and done, and then he's spending time doing other activities while my poor fella's stuck in the books, says Anne. Mary in Glanmire says, cut down on the homework and instead extend the school year. Children are then in a better routine for the rest of their lives. I wonder would others agree with that. So rather than do the homework at home, which obviously the teachers will say, oh, they need to keep up their academic work. So leave them in school, have a longer school year. I'm I'm assuming rather than make the day longer, make the school year, have less time off at Christmas, at Easter, at midterm, make the summer holidays shorter. Mary and Glanmire feels that would be the way to do, particularly if the argument is that they have to do the homework to keep up with their academic studies. Spend more time in school, says our Mary in Glanmire, and then they would need to be doing all the homework at home. And then another Mary was on to us by WhatsApp with the other school issue we were talking about when we were talking, thought interesting chat with Tusla who are trying to do, they've launched a campaign to try to get children to be in school more. They're not talking about children being sick. When children are sick, it's only right and proper they stay at home. But absenteeism, when children really are just, they're pulling a fast one, or their parents are kind of thinking, like, go on, Johnny, you can stay in the bed, it's cold out there. And they're allowing them to stay home taking more time off than they actually really need to so that they've launched this campaign saying that every school day counts trying to encourage par- parents and the schools obviously to make sure that the children are in school when they're meant to be in school. Mary says with regards to the numbers of the number of children missing school days there's a lot of criticism of the parents and the children if they're missing school. They often can be branded as lazy. Some of these children though said Mary may be bullied in school and they're terrified of being in that environment or may or may not have spoken about it. We should take that into account before we criticise, says Mary. And I don't think, thank you, Mary, and I don't think anyone, including that lovely man, Dan, who joined us from Tusla, I don't think he was criticising any of the parents because he spoke about anxiety levels and how we've never seen anything like the amount of anxiety we have in our children. And some of that anxiety, of course, will come from bullying. And the whole issue of bullying, I think, is very much to the fore again with the Anna Creasel case. Because while we were all, the whole nation mourned the murder of Anna Creasel and this gorgeous, lovely, lovely young teenager who should have her whole life ahead of her and so cruelly taken from her by... You know, the work of evil. Two young boys who, God, you know, should have known better, but didn't. Um, but the one thing that came out of that story was that all Anna craved was friendship. And she had been bullied horrendously in school, both in primary and now subsequently when she'd gone on into secondary school. And her mother spoke so eloquently about what her daughter had gone through. And it was the reason why when Anna Creasel's mother Geraldine came home from work that day having missed a couple of calls from Anna and when she came home and realised that Anna had gone out and when the dad said uh, a young boy called for her she panicked instantly because she said nobody ever called for Anna and I thought that was one of the saddest things and for a mother 
to watch her daughter knowing that she'd no friends and knowing that all Anna ever wanted was friends but she was ostracised that exclusion that girls can do and boys can do it too but girls really when they think somebody's a little bit different and Anna was tall for her age and uh, she was deemed a little bit different for that reason and they excluded her completely excluded her and then just horrendous bullying went on but it was just shocking so I think the whole issue of bullying has come to the fore so yes Mary is right children will and do miss school because of bullying and they're terrified to go into school and it must be dreadful for parents who know and Anna Creation's parents probably would have gone through this as well knowing that your son or daughter is bullied and you're driving them to school every day with that look of fear in their eyes as they head into the school. Now, some schools are fantastic at the way they handle bullying, but unfortunately, all schools still don't have a handle on it and still don't get it right. And, and I can never work out why. I only heard recently of a young lad who was being really badly bullied in a school and it wasn't a school here in Cork I'm glad to report it was a different part of the country and the parents were in the whole time trying to get this issue sorted out and highlighting what was happening to the boy in the school and it was suggested by the principal would you not consider moving your son to another school you know therefore straight away saying it's your son's fault you move him to another school nothing like let's let us take on the bullies why not ask the bullies to move to another school it's shocking but yeah Mary you're right and and I would and no one would criticise parents who leave a child at home or in bed on a Monday morning because the child is so petrified of going to school because of bullying but that's not the answer and certainly that's not the solution uh, to it 183 our lines are open let me look at some of your other calls and texts coming in to us. Um, RTE and I mentioned what RTE are going to have to go through and the fact the workforce is going to be reduced by 200 by next year and lots of other cost savings are going to have to be made and a projected cost savings of 60 million, huge sum of money, which must be done over the next three uh, years. Not everyone, I have to say, having sympathy this morning for RTE. Tom says the biggest issues on RTE at the moment are the ads. They're on too long and they're taking away from the programmes. Now they have to they have to get the revenue in for those ads, they'll tell you. They're not getting enough in from just the TV licence, so they have to. So if you're seeing a lot of advertising, that should bode well for RTE. I don't know if there's too many of them, but because uh, it seems to be a standard number doesn't there on, I'll, I'll keep a look now the next time I'm watching a programme on RT and try and time how many ads because certainly a lot of the other TV channels it's the one wonderful thing about the BBC you don't get any of the ads but all of the other commercial channels they have no other way of operating except by taking in uh, advertising a Douglas listener says Hi Patricia I'm with the chorus of people who's sick of repeats but you know what I'm sick of repeats of repeats (laughs) and as for the perpetual ads oh here's another one on about the ads same ones over and over again I used to like Maltesers but I got so fed up of the same ad I now don't eat them anymore says a Douglas listener Pat says Hi Patricia when RTE can justify paying people a half a million euro a year in a wage to do a radio or television programme then I'll have some pity for them they must clean up their own house for first before they go to the people looking for extra money by way of an increase in the television licence well they have said that they are going to reduce 
the bigger wage earners, these are the ones that are on contracts, the big names that most people know, they all are on contracts. They're going to reduce them by 15%. They'll still be on high wages, though, I have to say, even with a 15% cut. And I assume from the tone of Pat's text that a 15% cut is not going to be enough for Pat, that's for sure. And Mick says, no sympathy, they're all overpaid in RT. Well, you can't say they're all overpaid because the unions will say there are low, there are workers on low pay in RT, some of whom have not received a pay increase for 10 years because this financial situation is hasn't just started overnight. They've been struggling for a number of years. So it isn't something that's just uh, started. And Dee Forbes, who I mentioned, is one of our own. She's from Dreamer League in West Cork. She's doing, I think, a really, really tough job. And Michael wants to recognise that and says, Patricia, if anybody will sort out RTE, believe me, Dee Forbes will do it. She's a formidable lady who is well capable of handling, handling it. She has her worth proven over and over. Thank you. And that's from Michael texting us from a Castletown Bear. So obviously knows uh, Dee Forbes from Dreamer League and she's she's a tough job in her hands so she really and she arrived into that job I don't know if she realised just how tough the situation was going to be but she's a, a tough cookie and Michael's right if anybody can do it uh, she certainly will be able to do it I was talking about the animal cruelty earlier and the fact that we have two stories making the papers today and equally heartbreaking the poor horse who had to be put down here in Cork and then that gorgeous uh, lurcher dog with the pups and he and she chained to a fence just shocking uh, Patricia the next time you have a TD on your programme would you please ask them what are they going to do about animal cruelty in this country in Scotland they have a team set up I wonder what that team is uh, why not do something similar here and I mean we have the ISPCA but anytime and we've spoken um, Lisa O'Donovan the wonderful Iris ISPCA inspector here in Cork it's the most most amazing uh, work but we just don't have enough inspectors and then the amount of work that they have to do in order to get a case to court and then they get to court and the penalties are just not strict enough they you know they and then it's so hard we don't even get many of them to court and I remember you remember Ita who used to be our resident uh, vet Ita Mackesy Ita, Ita used to Ita was of Mackesy's veterinary uh, clinic as it was at the time she used to talk about she used to work quite a lot with the ISPCA in building up cases you know if there was a cruelty case she'd be called and might have to you know put the animal down or whatever and then she'd be putting the report in for the guards in order to get it to court and she'd have to go to court on some other occasions talk about the conditions that she found the animals in but she used to be desperately frustrated about it as well so I don't if that is that a judicial system? But definitely we need more inspectors in this country, you know, and until we have more inspect- inspectors doing their job. And if we had more so that when somebody rings up and reports a cruelty case, an inspector is available uh, to go out and then we need to prosecute and we need to heavily fine these people and in extreme cases, even put them in jail if that's what it takes. But until we get to that stage, people just think they can get away with it. It's like they're dumb animals. They're not going to be able to speak up for themselves. So therefore, we as a society need to speak up for those uh, animals. 1850 333 103. And on Asylum Seekers, John says, Leo Varadkar says most economic migrants are now coming from Albania and Georgia and the airlines should take them back. How can these people fly into the EU with false documentation if the airlines were heavily fined as they are in the United Kingdom? This would soon stop it. 80% of asylum seekers are refused asylum. Is the figure that high, John? But it can take four years 
to arrive at that decision. And that obviously is going to cost the taxpayers then because they are asylum seekers and they will have to go into uh, direct provision, which we know was already overloaded. I didn't realise the figure was as high as that. I know that there is a high proportion of people are refused because we don't take, you can't get claim asylum because you're an economic migrant. You can claim asylum if you're going away from a country in fear of your life and that's what the asylum system was aimed for. But unfortunately we do have economic migrants and you can, this part of me can even understand why they do it if they're living in a country where they're impoverished and they see these, they see us in our countries and they see us as very wealthy. You know, didn't enough of our own Irish people leave this country, went to England because they were able to earn money over there or they went to America or they went to Australia and they all went as economic migrants. They weren't in fear of their life except maybe during the famine they were in fear of their life because if they stayed they would have died. But since then people go and people have gone and the recent downturn in the economy people went because they wanted a, a better life but people coming from countries claiming but then we don't go and, and claim asylum in these countries we go there to work whereas it's different what people are doing here coming and claiming asylum I didn't realise though it was as high as 80% Thank you for your text John to 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs Newmarket Motors, they are looking for an accounts assistant, that's for a full-time position. While a person is wanted to look after three children, two are school-going. It's in the children's own home and it's three days per week. Stainless steel welders, they're wanted for Balanine. And a part-time taxi driver is wanted for a school run in Charleville. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, Catherine Carroll is a mallow mother who suffers from degenerative disc disease, which causes chronic pain and mobility issues. And we last spoke to Catherine when she was battling the HSE for access to Versatis pain relief patches. Catherine has now come up against a further obstacle with the HSC, and this time it's trying to access a motorised wheelchair and Catherine once again joins me on the programme. Good morning to you Catherine. Hi Patricia, how are you? Uh, I listen, I'm well and it saddens me that you have to come back on the airwaves again with another fight but so be it. I suppose start firstly with outlining health wise how you are doing since we last spoke. Um, Well um, things have deteriorated I suppose physically since we've last spoken. Um, It's you know, it's just a, 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 such a gradual process that you don't realise it until, you know, you're doing... It was like um, I was going to my son's county final um, a couple of weeks ago and we literally got as far as the traffic lights and I said to Niall, turn back before we go too far so that they, you know, I, I had, you know, I just... That, that day, there was just no way I, I had pain miles that I was able to go. You were in simply in too much pain. I was in too much pain. And by the time I had myself dressed and, you know, ready and, you know, you know the little things like that are actually huge. I have to have it. It's like a military operation, you know. It will say such, such time I'll put on the bottom half and then I'll put on the top half. And, you know, if I've had a quick wash, God help me, I'd want to give myself another good hour. But... um you know, by the I knew going down the stairs. Even I said tonight, something's different. Something's different. You know, and um, it's just it's it's the way it's the way it's the way it goes. I suppose. So what can you do? What are you doing for pain relief? Medication. 
Just medication. Yeah. So you, you, so you didn't, you, you, you never got the Versace's patches back? No, I, oh. I did get them. You I did? had them. Yeah, okay. And, um, which was, uh, oh, I got them very easily after all the, um, you Pu- know. Publicity. Yeah. And, um. So you take the patches and medication? Oh, and medication. Okay. Yeah, the patches are, are for a, a certain type of pain. It's, it's kind of a surface pain or a burning pain near the surface. So um, I have three that you put them on for 12 hours and then you put take them off for 12 hours. And they give you some relief? They give the burning pain a bit of relief, yeah. Do you mind me asking you on air your age, Catherine? I'm 52. You are a young woman. I in, don't in today. <laughs> I know, but in t- you know, you should be out and oh, about. And, uh, yeah. Talk me through what is a typical day like for Catherine. I didn't realise we were going there. Um, typical day is um, depending on the night's sleep I've had. Um, the morning I wake in, I, I cannot move in the morning. And then I take what medication I need to take. And it slowly starts coming around as the day goes on. And we'll say about 12 o'clock normally. Around this time now is 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 my best time, and maybe about two o'clock, um, I'll start going down again. But um, you know, I I'll do try and do a bit of walking with even on the landing or downstairs on the floor, um, or in, on the in the hall, you know. But um, everything, you know, it's 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 I I I know it myself. You know, I've I'm doing a lot less than I was doing. Are there days that you don't get out of the bed? Yeah. Well, no, because I have to go to the bathroom. And um, there are the days I don't get out of the bed. If I, you know, that's, I get to the bathroom. Are there many days when you don't get out of the house? Oh, God, yeah. Um, as you can ask how they, I can tell you how many days I have been out this year. So you're housebound, really? Yeah. Have you a wheelchair? I have a wheelchair, yeah. I have, oh, I have, I have, no, in all fairness, any amenities I've um, ever requested or someone would come out and they'd say, look, will we put something there? We can put something there. You know, we can put a, you know, do you need a wheelchair? They brought a better, you know, a Zimmer frame for me. Um, you know, anything. They've been so helpful. The local agency has been so, so helpful. I, I, I couldn't say a thing. Yeah, because you got then, one, you got, you've a hospital bed, haven't you? A special bed at home? Yeah, yeah. I have. Which the I HSC have. would have provided. Yeah, 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 they provided all of that. Anything I required, they, they, they provided. And, you know, they gave, they told me about, you know, things I could put around the, the toilet, for instance, sitting up to stand up and sit down easier that I wouldn't have known existed. You know, they gave me that. They, you know, anything, a seat for the shower, um, anything, anything like that. There's never been a problem with, there's never ever been like the, the local. Um, it's usually the public health nurse organises those yeah, and, and they're great. Oh my God, they're, they're amazing. I, 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 I can name a couple of them, but I don't want to because I, I don't want to leave anyone out. They're apt. So people, yeah, so you have had support. But tell me about this motorised wheelchair and the difference you believe it could make to your life. Oh, 
I was watching some random reality show and um, it even wasn't about the wheelchair. But there was a woman in it and she was driving around in a wheelchair and I, I, I it caught my eye, obviously. But then she needed um, to lie down and she just, and, and, and the next thing, the wheel, she just laid the wheelchair back. You know, the seat, the wheelchair lay back and she could put up her knees and I, I, my mouth was dropping as I was watching it because I was saying, that's exactly, that's, it's exactly me in a chair. Yeah, so, that you're sitting up and then when you need to stretch out yeah, or yeah. you need to lie down. Yeah, rather yeah, yeah. I lift up really like a fierce trouble with my knees as well. I mean, why not? I mean, I may as well. Um, my back was getting lonesome, so it asked for help or it asked for company. But um, um, I thought, no, I didn't know. Like, when I saw it, I, like, like it, I was thinking about it and I was thinking about it and obviously I have time to do that and I was overthinking about it and underthinking about it and thinking everything about it. And I said, look, um, will, will I give this, will I, will, will I ask at least, is there something like it in this country even? Because to me, and I know now this sounds dramatic, Trisha, Patricia, but it was, it, it was like, if I had that chair, I could go where I, like, I mean, you know, all the events I've missed. Because I'd have, you know, I wouldn't be able to go if I couldn't lie down or put up my knees or, you know. So I said, it would be either have a life in this chair or just lie in this bloody bed and wait to die. And is that the way you're feeling, Catherine, at the moment? Well, yeah. I mean, well, now, now, when I say that, I mean, you know, it's, um, I mean, I live for the three lads, you know, and, and others, but, um, you know, you, I have great crack on WhatsApp with my friends, the Spice Girls, and with my sisters, because, I feel, I feel, I feel normal doing those things because, but it's when it's, you know. Um, but, you, but you're missing out on living. Is, is, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm existing. And, and I went from a very busy life, you know, but, um, to this body. You, so I'm, in order to access a wheelchair, you, you need an occupational therapist, isn't, isn't that? Well, this is the sticking point. That's,
or you know, or will will there be someone new shortly? Should I ring back? And you know, of course, I I I was questioning, and not that I thought for a second, you know. And we got to talking, and it turns out the position hasn't been filled in inverted commas since January. Was it January or February? Oh no, I can't. I'm questioning myself. But, but earlier in the year, anyway. yeah, yeah. And this I'm would be the occupation therapist for North Lee, isn't it? Well, that, that's I, that's what I said. There's, there's surely an occupational therapist out in the healthcare centre. You know, I mean, there must there must be hundreds of people looking for an occupational therapist. That could be in a, even a worse position than I'm in. You know, I have people around me if I need them. But, I mean, what about the people that have nobody? And it's an occupational therapist that has to come if you are looking for a housing adaptation grant. They have to come in and assess. Yeah. So there's got to be a lot of people trying to... There must be. There has to be. And you you cannot be assessed for this wheelchair until you're seen by an occupational therapist. Isn't that the case? Well, I no, I, I think that's the case. I think that's the case. I, I, I can't say that they're the steps, but like the first thing that came into my head was I'll ring the occupational therapist. And get a report done up, yeah. From there. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So uh, well, it, it shocked me that, I mean, a, a position that, number one, I, I know there are plenty of young people out there that, that are well um, capable and, and have, uh, we'll say, you know, they're, they're uh, been to college and could fill that space. And, I mean, surely be to God, you know, that if, the, if there is a position out there for it, you know, it's not going to take that long. I mean, well, it seems crazy part. that they're to be told there's no occupational therapist for the bones of the year, whatever about yes, there's yes. a waiting list, because you would imagine that they would have more than one occupational therapist. Anyway, yes. we've been endeavouring to contact the HSE. We've been onto them twice with that very question of, you know, is there, why isn't there an occupational therapist? When will there be an occupational yeah. therapist? What are people expected to do in the meantime? Yeah. You know, if they haven't got an occupational therapist, surely they should be offering some kind of a service whereby you can go private and they'll pick up the tab for it. I know. Well, no, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? But you were offered nothing like that? No. No. No, and no, you're not blaming the people there. For I know. I, listen, yes, and because, you've been you've been fulsome in your praise of everyone that you've yeah. be, you've you've been dealt with. You've been more than kind. You've had surgeries, Catherine, in the past, and I know we've spoken about that before. Yeah. They, they unfortunately were unsuccessful. Are surgeries now out of the question for you? Yeah. Okay. So what you're now left with, you're left with. Oh yeah. What I what I have now is what I have, and that's why maybe I'm grasping onto. Um, you know this this wheelchair thing that I've seen, and, and I know. Um, you know, at times, you know, my husband um was like oh, a year ago. He's now um lucky to be able. He's my full time carer, so we're we're on invalidity pension, carers allowance, and two children in UCC, and one doing his leaving search, and we're trying to pay a mortgage. Not you easy. know, which is for another day. But, that's not um, easy. That's you're not you're not no. in an easy situation. That's no. uh, for sure. And your yeah. and your There's husband, your husband and your boys are amazing. Yeah, the girl. Well, it's two girls. Two girls. My, sorry, my, my and my son. Yeah, Chat, well, 
my two daughters and my son. Um, the girls, Trina and Kira, they're in UCC and they're the best in the world. And then I have my my Charlie. So um, he's just, yeah, he's a guest man. He's kind of me, really. But you've missed out on so much of yeah. your children I, growing I've up. I've seen so much of them. Um, I think until, we'll say, Charlie was playing under 15. Um, he's now played his last match with the minors. Um, I don't think I got, I got, yes, I got to see one game with him playing with the minors in the football. Now, the hurling is my, is the thing I do anything to see him playing in. But um, I haven't been that lucky. But they're doing very well with the school, the academy at the moment, um, um, with, with, with the hurling. So hopefully there the, might be a day there, but we have to go. Uh, and, I, and I know, and I remember the last time when I was talking to you, that was, you know, one of your biggest regrets is not being able to get out and Huge. watch the matches. Yeah. And because you know, sport played such a role in your life before you became unwell. Yeah, I I lived and breathed basketball myself growing up. Lived and breathed it. Lived, and it was, at the time, the youth centre was a basketball club. And you could literally knock on the door of God be good to Johnny Murphy or Mikey Fox and say, can I borrow the keys? And um, you'd go in and you'd take out all the balls and you could stay there for hours playing basketball. And that's what I used to do on my days off. Is that, and was... Is that anything to do with you getting the degenerative disc disease or what, is that something you reckon you were born with and just came well, on over time? I that's, that's the question. The, the, like, I know hundreds of people that have played basketball and, and they're fine, you know. Um, but I did find, um, we'll say I was 20 years when this began, so there was a time, you know, for that first, I suppose, good 10 years, um, um, it was all the operations and specialists and stuff like that. And any time, I remember, any time they heard, you know, that they, are you playing something or, you know, what, you know. What and sports I, I do you play? Yeah. yeah. And they go, oh, that's it. Oh, it's, oh, it's because of that. And, 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 you know, that was, that was as far as. What's, what's, what's your gut instinct? Do you think it was? Um, no. 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 I don't, and um, I, I, I just think it's my own. Do you know, it brings me back to 2002 when I was, I remember sitting in the base above in Tala, the, that, that, new, that was, was a relatively new Tala hospital at the time, and he, a second, um, I was coming home from um, a second spinal fusion, and, um, well, he was actually repairing the first one, if you like, because the bone, bone had slipped out. And this, that was in 96. And um, it took until 2002 to convince them that there was something wrong. But I do remember him saying to me, as I was leaving um, on his last you know, trip to the bed, and he said to me, look, Catherine, it's, it's this simple. You either walk out of here now, and see how things go, or I fix everything that needs fixing with your discs. And he said, that's literally top to bottom. And he said, you will be in a wheelchair. And I said, thanks very much, doctor. I said, it was nice. I said, thank you for everything you've done. And I walked out of that hospital. 
Now, if I could have bottled it a little bit of hindsight, I just said, keep going. I just said, keep going. Yeah, but you didn't know. Yeah. You didn't know. And it's no, the, and it's, it's living in constant pain, mm. I think. And I remember when we spoke with you with the Versatis patch, mm. uh, you, uh, the way you spoke about that, I mean, I think it was the thing that got to everyone. It's just to be in constant pain it is. is just yeah, I, dreadful. I, I, yeah, it's just it, the psychological effect it has on you as well. It, it does. It, you see, I, I, I'm, I'm lucky, lucky is the word, but I, I'm lucky the fact that um, I did volunteer work with Samaritans for years until I was able to, unable to drive up there anymore. And um, it had kind of ignited. It, I was working with them because I wanted to go down a counselling route. That was something um, I always, always wanted to do. Um, but was too immature to do anything about it when I was younger. But I, I just realised I did. It took it till I was older to realise that this is something I'd love to do. So when I was with them, I was the director of the outreach program, and we went to many schools, and we'd say and clubs or you know different organisations, and and talking with people, and I just remember me there going saying this is what I want to do. And I had intended then, you know, we'd say, you know, checking out colleges and checking out, you know. That was, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. No. It wasn't to be. No, All no. right, somebody says, uh, tell that lady, this is uh, Catherine, um, that she will never look back if she manages to get one of those motorised uh, wheelchairs. No, my, bro- my brother got one and his <sighs> life has changed so much. Keep fighting uh, for what it is that she so deserves. But what my brother did was he got onto his consultant. So that might be a route that you can take is to get a referral. My consultant has uh, disappeared. <laughs> Oh, disappeared. Yes. Go get another consultant. Fight for another well, consultant. See, the, 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 get a the, referral from your doctor to a to a consultant, yeah, Catherine. Yeah, Just, it's I another know. it's another route that will go down. I'm I'm up against it on time and I'm backed up on no, that. We will talk again, Catherine. Well, but in the mean, meantime, we want to raise this issue of the occupational therapist. Yes. Where is the occupational therapist disappeared to? Are other people? Um, waiting, trying to get access to an occupational uh, therapist and so in, and in the meantime, see if you can get a referral to a consultant to see if a consultant can move it along a yeah, little bit. And we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep in contact with you as well, okay? Look after yourself. And, you too, and it was great to talk to you again. God bless. You Mind you yourself. So but a lot of people just wanted to send support to uh, Catherine, uh, Catherine and just saying what a dreadful situation to be in. I mean, at 52, that's like in today's age group, that's a young, you know what I mean? She should be out very active, leading an active life for somebody who had a very active life and to be in the situation she's in. As I say, we are waiting to hear back from the HSE. We've been onto them twice just to find out what is happening with the OT. But that's a good suggestion in from a listener that maybe if she goes through her consultant, he might be able to suggest that yes, a motorised wheelchair and a motorised wheelchair would get her out of the house and it would give her a little bit of life, that's for sure. Uh, 1850 Seeing as we've been talking about television today, Mary was on to say that she watched Dublin Murders and wondering, did I watch it? She thought it was quite good. Series ended last night, she said it was an unexpected twist. She did think the lang- language was a bit much and sometimes the characters were very abusive to each other, but generally speaking, she thought it was a good programme and wonders did others enjoy it too. I haven't watched it yet. It's one of those programs I've recorded 
and when I get the chance I'm hoping to watch it sort of a back to back thing if I can do a binge watching on it but I've uh, the other half the hubby was watching it and he thought it was a fantastic programme indeed I was slow to watch it initially because I thought it was going to be a bit too violent and I'm not really into watching violent programmes I find I just find I can't watch violent programmes as I'm getting older I don't know what that is but I but I can't but um, but that was an RTE wasn't it an RTE BBC it was a joint uh, production so when RTE do things and do and do it do them they do them really well anybody else uh, Mary wants to know today other people enjoy Dublin murders and the un expected twist last night. 1850 We've got to take a break. We've news at 12 midday on the way. We remember for Guy the Chicano join us for this week's Guy the Five in the next hour. And also we're looking for your pet questions because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will join us. Hi, Nick Richards here from C103's Afternoon Show. Santa's on his way and he wants to talk to court kids. Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> I just can't wait to talk to you all on Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. The countdown to the big day is on, so don't miss your chance to talk to the big man himself. It's so easy. Simply go to C103 and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a Christmas call from Santa. Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls. I could be talking to you with Nick Richards in the afternoon only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Catherine from Formoy has contacted us to say she had a bad fall a few days ago on the footpath across from the Opera House in Cork City. Two men came to her help and then a lady stopped her car to help and actually the lady had some water, gave her some water to drink. Now Catherine unfortunately didn't get any of the names of the people who helped her out but she would like me to publicly thank these people if by chance that they are listening. They were all young people who came to her aid and to help her and she said one one of the young men actually stayed with her until her husband came to pick her up. She was badly bruised but the good news is that she is on the mend but she just wants to recognise the great kindness of those strangers who rushed to help her when she fell over and good to hear that you are on the mend. So take a bow those two young men and the young lady in the car who all stopped to help and the good news is that Catherine is going to be okay. Uh, 1850 Your pet questions for Jane please. John Paul and Maraid are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now 120 cyclists who were due to take part in the Durand Cross on Sunday November 17th in Tremor Valley Park have been left disappointed because the event has been cancelled. To explain more, I'm joined by Michael Corkery, who is the chairperson of the Durand Cycling Club. Good mor- Good afternoon to you, Michael. It's gone past 12. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you, you're welcome. I suppose, can you start firstly by explaining what Durand Cross is? Well, um, it's, uh, it's uh, a cycling discipline where we race on the grass. So, for all intents and purposes, it's like cross-country running, but we, de- we take the road bikes, we change the tyres, and we race on grass. Would I have seen you do it last weekend in Mallowtown Park? That's true. That's ah. what we did. OK. All right. And the background to this, you, you have an event planned for the Tremor Valley Park, uh, and you've been, ha- you've been hosting a race there for the last two years. Am I right in that? Yes. Yes, this would have been the third year at Tremor Valley Park, yes. And why have you been forced to cancel? Well, I suppose it's a, it's a technical issue. We're affiliated with Cycling Ireland, but we fall under their affiliation. And it's a technical insurance issue between Cork City Council and Cycling Ireland. 
and Cork City Council are saying that they they don't like the um, the cover and they have a they, they have an issue with it, saying that it's 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 not adequate. Um, I suppose the discussion has been going on for a couple of weeks, and I suppose every day it was you know broker talking to broker, insurance person talking to insurance person. But at the end of the day, um, City Council have made the decision that it's it's not adequate and it's not solved. So the race is cancelled. But yet, when you held the event last weekend in Mallowtown Park, and I believe you've also held an event in Yall, that would have yeah. come under the auspices of Cork County Council. Have they had an issue with your insurance? No, Cork County Council, and to the best of our knowledge, no other council around the country has an issue um, w- w- with Cycling Ireland's insurance as it presently stands. Do many people get injured in these races? Well, no, right? I mean, this is a, this is a low-speed sport on grass. Um, you know, these are uh, it's it's uh, it's done on a course that's designed to be safe. It's uh, refereed by commissaires. Um, it's marshaled. Um, you know, it's it's low speed, low velocity, and I don't know of any incident that has ever happened with, over my years of uh, being involved with cyclocross. Yeah, and you haven't any outstanding claims that they can oh point God, no. to. No. Oh God, no, 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 no. Um, and it, it just seems a shame, and it seems a very extreme position. You know, notwithstanding Cork City Council has an issue, you would think that there was a way that they would be able to uh, see it for what it is, allow the race to go ahead, and and you know maybe work on uh, the policies um, offline, but. We're in the middle, um, you know, caught between that triage of, of uh, uh, that triangle of the insurance industry, uh, Cycling Ireland and the City Council that really don't seem to be able to please each other. And I'm sure Cycling Ireland are probably paying a, sh- a huge amount on their insurance premium already. I, I have no doubt, yeah. Um, and I suppose that's the... That, that, that's the the line that we are getting from Cycling Ireland is that they have gone out to 14, I think 14, 16 different um, insurance companies across the UK and Ireland looking for uh, the cover that Cork City Council are looking for. And they've said that they have got no, nobody will quote, that it's it's too extreme, that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe the elimination of all possible risk as opposed to, you know, what's seen as reasonable. Now, I am not an insurance expert, so... Um, I know, you know but, I, but I, we're I, back again, uh, Michael, to this whole issue of insurance, and it is just destroying this country. Oh, uh, it is... Um, it's, it's sickening, you know, because it's... Um, you know, I, I was just listening to, you know, some of the uh, Oroctus hearings there um, where Pius Doherty had, had, had challenged the... Uh, the, the uh, insurance industry, and you know, there's something very wrong there, and 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 I've no doubt that this that this issue is part of the the, the wider squeeze uh, squeezing of the uh, of the 
of small businesses and charities and sporting events by like we we will not have we will not have a community center we won't have a local fair any kind of a charity event we will be left with nothing in this country the children's play centers were a huge focus yeah. on them we nearly lost all of them we've already seen some of them close uh, and we will end up losing sporting activities that the government should be encouraging people to get involved with in order to stay fit. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And it, it, they're instilling, you know, there's a fear there. So you, you go to organise something first and, you know, now, and the first thing you have to think about. Insurance. And, plenty, and the plenty of people will, will scare you saying, oh, do you have insurance? Will you have insurance? Will you be covered? And, you know, it, is, it, it, it isn't great. But we, great, but we are part of an affiliated uh, cycling Ireland, you know, so almost one arm of the state arguing with the other arm of the state. And, you know, it's about sport, it's about health and well-being, it's about the greater good. And, you know, I, we still think that the position taken by Cork City Council is extreme, that it could solve this over a desk with Cycling Ireland and they should be they should be called upon to see the greater good. You know, is it really that bad that you would have deny access? And I suppose... We're taking a big hit, right? But actually, the the guys that um, are on BMX bikes, bikes. I don't know if you know what BMX bikes yeah, are, but yeah, I do. There's a, there's a purpose built park in Tremor Valley Park, and that's also closed down. So the, the the guys from the BMX club who are training on their Olympic cycles and to, to try to get to the Olympics in four eight years time. They're not allowed on to this purpose-built track because of this Cycling Ireland dispute with City Council, City Council's dispute with Cycling Ireland. It's just all gone nuts. And what perplexes me is that the Council say, because we we sought a statement from the Council, and and they say that the cover sought is no different from that sought for any group availing of a Council-owned facility. But for the previous two years, you have been out using the Tremor Valley Park with the very same insurance cover, and there's never been an issue. No, never been an issue. Um, And, you know, there's a park run went on there last Saturday. There's a park run there in another couple of weeks' time. Um, you know, again, notwithstanding they have an issue with the insurance policy, I mean, why can't they work it out with the authorities? It's one day, one event, minimal, minimal risk and exposure. There has been no claims to date with cyclocross or anything approaching it. We're a very close community families, fathers, mothers, children, low velocity. I mean, this isn't, this isn't motocross. This isn't a stock car uh, driving. This is cycling your bicycle on grass, mm. on grass that is cut. And, you know, your maximum speed per hour is probably 10 kilometres yeah, an hour. I, 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 I watched it and there, there's a skill in it. You certainly could see that there is a skill in it and it looked yeah. exhausting, I have yeah. to say, when, when I saw them. So it is hugely disappointing. Have you tried to go via any of the elected representatives, any of the city councillors? Would they have any use to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we've contacted all of the city councillors. We've written to uh, the city manager and, um, 
you know, on the face, on face value, we seem to get a lot of support from the councillors. They understood us. They did see that this was, you know, an issue. Um, they ra- they raised it with the executive, um, but uh, I've got nowhere. We have raised it with uh, Michael McGrath, uh, Dan Boyle, um, uh, Jerry Buttermer, all very supportive, but can't unlock that uh, that executive. Um, and because uh, you're getting closer to the date, you had to make the decision to cancel. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're scrambling now trying to see can we find any private land in the around the city, but that's very difficult. Now, City Council had a change of heart in the next 24 or 48 hours. My God, would we welcome It would be great. It would be great, and, OK. Uh, we, we could get the flags back out again. You know? OK, we'll keep in contact with you, Michael. In the meantime, thank right. you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, good morning, that is. Or good afternoon, Michael Corkery, who is chair of the Durand Cycling Club. Really, really disappointing. And yet again, it's insurance. Tom says the people of Ireland cribbing about insurance need to realise it's all our own fault why we have a compensation culture in this country. But you can't tar us all. We're not all jumping on the compensation culture, the the compo culture brigade. But you are right. There are a cohort of people in this country who do it, which is which is truly shocking. And yes, you're right. We all suffer because of it. Also, just on breaking news, there there is a major concert to take place in Cork next year. MCD promotions are teasing us a little bit. They are due to make an announcement next Monday morning and the artist will be in attendance. Are the, the artist or the artists, we don't know, will be in attendance. Who could that be? We're going to have to wait until Monday to find out unless we get a leak of it over the weekend, which sometimes does uh, happen. Just some more of your calls very quickly. In Michael in Mallow wants to raise an issue about the 30 minutes free parking, which is available on Main Street in Mallow and in various parts of Mallow. But his problem is when you put your euro in to get then an hour of free parking, it will give you the exact hour from when you put them put the money in, not the one hour and 30 minutes. That doesn't work for Michael because he needs to park up and to get to a physio. So obviously he's to park the car, get to the physiotherapist. I'm assuming the physio session could be an hour. So he needs that extra 30 minutes. He says when you're in Dungarvan, they have a similar system in place. But when you put your money in for your one hour, you get one hour plus 30 minutes the free part of your ticket. He feels this confusion at the moment in Mallow, yet the machines are the very same, the ones used in Dungarvan and the ones used in Mallow. Uh, but you only get the hour and he wonders, have others noticed that? And uh, do others take, are, are others caught out with that the way he is? He needs the one hour and 30 minutes, 30 minutes free, and then he's willing to pay for the other hour. But the ticket does not say that to him. You should show that ticket to a parking attendant and ask the parking attendant, is the half hour tagged on to the end of it. I don't, I don't know how that system uh, operates. And Mary in West Cork wants to raise the issue of single rooms in hotels and B&Bs. She says if you're single and you want to stay in a hotel or a B&B anywhere in this country, you can't get a single room. And they and so you get a double room but they'll charge you a single supplement. It doesn't help to attract tourists. Sometimes she said if people have a hospital appointment they might want to stay in a hotel but the charges are absolutely ludicrous. Long ago you could always get a single room with a single bed but Mary says not anymore. She understands the hotels and B&Bs have costs etc but she thinks that they are pushing the Wild Atlantic way but they'd want to review accommodation costs and why I didn't realise why the end of the single room. I know there's a single room supplement and I always feel for people 
who want to travel on their own if they have to pay the single supplement it always seems always seemed unfair to me but you know them have always been the rules there's always been a single supplement but I didn't realise that it's now according to Mary impossible to actually get a room just a, a single room they're all double beds there's nobody has anybody come across a hotel or a B&B that still has single rooms according to Mary in West Cork she cannot find any It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 1850-333-103. Lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. As a mark of respect on the sad passing of their, ex- their esteemed board member, Kevin Mullen, the Office of Clonakilty Credit Union will remain closed all day tomorrow, Friday. Or yesterday, Grevenanum Dealish. Mallow Art Club have rescheduled their demonstration with artist Jack Cornhouse for this evening at half past seven in the Mercy Centre. Jack will do a mixed media picture of a figure in a landscape. All are welcome. Blood Transfusion Service have got donor clinics in the Cork Marts in Formoy. Three to five this afternoon and seven to nine tonight. Mallow Tidy Towns holding their annual table quiz. It's on tonight in Albert Lynch's bar at half past eight. Lots of spot prizes which have been kindly donated by local businesses and shops. And Kildallery Community Development, they've got their weekly lotto draw, Ollie's Bar tonight. Their jackpot is €3,600. And Dunmanway Historical Society are hosting a candlelit concert in St Mary's Church tomorrow night, Friday at 8 o'clock. Tickets are €10 and refreshments will be served. We're off to Skibbereen Garda Station where I'm joined by Sergeant Trina O'Mahony. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Trina. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, And you are welcome. Let's get straight into it. You're looking for some help with crimes, starting with a burglary that happened in the Clondrothod area of McCroom. That's correct, Patricia. Uh, Garda at McCroom are investigating a burglary that was reported as you said, in the Clondrohid area. That happened last Saturday evening, which was the 2nd of November 2019, between 6 and 9.15pm in the evening. Uh, during this incident, the front door of a house was entered and a farmyard gate was also disturbed. Thankfully, nothing was taken. 
but obviously the Gardaí at McCroom would be very anxious to identify the culprits there. So if you saw anything suspicious in the area uh, last Saturday evening in the Clondruhid area, you can contact the Gardaí at McCroom on 0262 Just to point out there, I suppose what's interesting about that incident, Patricia, is the time it happened. It was in the evening time, Saturday evening. And just to you know, make your listeners alert about that, uh, going out to Mass, for example, on a Saturday evening, mm. lock up, light up. Um, have lights, leave some lights on in your house. and to Make the house look lived in, leave Absolutely. a TV on, a radio on to generate some noise. Absolutely. Give yeah. the impression that there's someone there and it will hopefully have the effect of preventing someone from... from yeah, and for neighbours to let each other know if somebody, you know, if we're going to be out at a certain mass, let the neighbours know the house is going to be emptied, you know, if everybody rolls in and Indeed. helps each other out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there was a theft in the Kilkill area. There was indeed. Um, Guardia Kilkill are investigating an alleged theft incident that occurred uh, between 1pm on the 26th of October and 10.30am on the 28th of October, which would have been the bank holiday weekend. Uh, during that incident, a storage container was uh, entered and a large amount of building equipment was taken. Gardaí, of course, are anxious to hear from anyone in the Kilkill area who might have seen anything suspicious around that. It would have been the bank holiday weekend. The items taken included a large number of DeWalt building equipment. That included a drill, an angle grinder, a number of saws, um, also a Bosch angle grinder, a skill console, a Makita drill and a DeWalt toolbox. They're all items that cost money. Absolutely. Um, I think the total value of items that were actually taken, this is just to admit that that's just a few of them, I suppose. It was about €6,000 worth wow. of, of equipment taken, Patricia. So if anyone saw anything suspicious around there, I suspect, given the amount that was taken, it would have been a large vehicle or a, or a van carrying a trailer perhaps might have been seen uh, moving with a lot of that type of equipment in the in the back. If anyone did see anything or hear anything suspicious or indeed has any other information, they might give the Gardaí at Bantry a call. 0282086060 is the number for Bantry or Kilgill 0272086060. And you need to mark all your items, don't you? I mean, I mean, obviously check to make sure the security of where these items are locked up, but have all your items clearly marked. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, over the last few months, a number of incidents have occurred where these types of storage containers have been the target of, of criminal activity. They're often kind of isolated areas. Um, so again, like that, we would uh, ask people to just double check on their security measures if they are using storage containers to hold their property. Like you say, property marking on all your valuable equipment and CCTV is always strongly advised and sensor lighting is, is really helpful as well because if that comes on during the night, the CCTV is, of course, even more beneficial than if it does become required. OK, there was a theft in Glengariff. There was a theft uh, in Glengariff. Um, sometime between the 26th, again the bank holiday weekend, and the 29th of October, two ladders were taken from outside a house in the Glengariff area. These are described as aluminium ladders. One of them was a roof ladder and the other is described as an extension ladder. Uh, those were taken. So just if anyone there saw anything suspicious around the Glengariff area... 0272086060. The danger here, though, uh, Trina, is those ladders could be used in other crimes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose it's something to really be alert about. Now, coming into the winter months, if you have any ladders or anything around the house, put them away. I mean, you're, you're kind of, you're giving potential criminals a potential way of accessing your home, you know, to get up to an open window upstairs or anything like that. So put them away. Don't leave them outside. 
they themselves, of course, are, are a valuable target as well. Okay, there was criminal damage this time in the Skibbereen area. That's right. Here at Skibbereen, we're investigating criminal damage which occurred um, in the Ballyhilty area just Monday night, just gone. It would have occurred sometime in the, we say, Monday night, Tuesday morning time. Uh, during this incident, a significant amount of damage was caused to property on the roadside. An air cable distribution cabinet, as as it's described, was knocked from its concrete base, causing damage in the region, I would say, of a couple of thousand euros. What? Yes. Um, and a number of road signs were also knocked over, causing damage during that incident. Some of those were left encroaching the road, causing potential danger to the road users there as well. So um, this occurred, as I said, on Monday night. And needless to say, we're very anxious to identify the culprits in that case as well. OK, and staying on criminal damage, we're going from Skibbereen to Bantry. Yes, Patricia. Um, Guardian Bantry are investigating a criminal damage incident which occurred to a commercial premises in the Dunymark area of Bantry on the 29th of October. Um, during that incident, fire damage was caused to the premises and it is believed that that occurred sometime between 10 and 11pm on the 29th of October, which would have been last Tuesday night, a week ago. Um, of course, the Guardian at Bantry would be anxious to hear from anyone if they saw or heard anything suspicious um, that evening. OK, and scam calls. Now, we would regularly get calls in from listeners alerting mm-hmm. us to the fact that there's scam calls uh, doing the rounds. There's been a lot of them lately, hasn't there? There has, yes. Um, something we really want to put people on high alert. Uh, again, about this, Patricia, we've got a number of reports from people who have received scam calls in recent weeks. And what they're reporting is, that is happening now is basically you will receive a number or a phone call, should I say, to your phone. And uh, the phone number will actually almost look like an ordinary Irish number with an Irish prefix. Some of them might have 01 or 021 at the start. So the receiver will pick up the phone innocently, not thinking anything of it. Um, when they answer the call, then an automated message can be heard. And this will tell you that your bank account um, has been accessed and that money has been taken. And it will then ask you to dial a number if you wish to speak to an operative. So um, I suppose that's the first, the second point to note, I suppose I should say, don't press the number because I'm told what that does is it causes the receiver to be charged for the call and at a higher rate. You go into a premium rate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose our advice to listeners are, uh, first of all, is in general terms, don't engage with anybody over the phone um, if you have any suspicions whatsoever. If you are getting a phone call, you know, just think twice, look at the number, and if you if you don't recognise it and you don't, you know, if you have any suspicions, don't even answer the call. Yeah, and you ring your bank back. Exactly. At the yeah. number that you know is the genuine number for the bank. Exactly. That's, 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 exactly that's important very as well. Very important, yeah. Don't, ring, don't go ringing a number that anybody provides you with over the phone yeah. either. Absolutely. And the um, other scam I know that was doing the rounds is the one where it's always a missed call. It just ring once or twice and that particular scam is they want you to call the number back and it's straight through to a premium rate exactly. number and it'll cost you a fortune exactly. on, your, on your phone bill. Exactly, yeah. So just be careful there. They're out and about, that's for sure. And uh, we've got some good news in a crime investigation update that you that's want to bring right. us. Um, I just wanted to let the listeners know that a male has been arrested and charged and he's currently remanded in custody in relation to a number of change scam incidents. They occurred across the country. Some of them um, occurred in the West Cork area. And so far that uh, he's suspected of having been involved in 14 of those incidents. And they occurred over the past 18 months. 
So we just like to take the opportunity, I suppose, to sincerely thank those business owners and their staff and the members of the community who reported those crimes and provided us with the necessary details, CCTV and assistance, uh, which has ultimately led to the apprehension of, of a suspect in those cases. Fantastic. And I know Sergeant James O'Donovan, the Crime Prevention Officer, is setting up a business email alert scheme. He is indeed. Um, he asked me to mention this to your listeners also. Um, what it will be is a business email alert scheme and it's for any retail or commercial business owners or managers in the West Cork division. So if anyone out there wants to join that, they can either contact their local business group or contact Sergeant O'Donovan directly at Bandon Garda Station. Fantastic. And the idea would be share information. If people see something suspicious, they can share it. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well done. And just very finally, because we're up against time, you want to mention the West Cork Youth Awards. Yes, indeed. They're coming up uh, tomorrow night, Patricia, in the Celtic Cross Hotel in Carberry. Um, this year's winners, of course, will be announced and presented with their awards. And I suppose it's always a great occasion in the West Cork Division. And it highlights the amazing achievements of our young people. It's fantastic. So they, they are wonderful. And just, even if, so they do, even if they don't win, the very fact they got nominated, they're winners themselves. So, so well done. Uh, Trina, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. We'll talk again in the coming weeks. You're very welcome. Uh, good you. afternoon to you. Bye bye. That is Sergeant Trina O'Mahony joining us from Skibbereen and Garda Station. 1850 We're going to take a break. We are back answering your pit questions with our resident vet Jane Pickett so if you've got a pet question get it This is the Court Today replay on C103 and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me in studio answering your pet questions. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And before you start answering your pet questions, I want you to put on your amateur dramatic hat yeah. because <laughs> you're part of the Bantier Drama Group. You're the assistant director for this year, and yes. you're back on stage. You've you've you 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 you've been you're putting on Sharon's grave. We have. You've we been have. Run, you've run it already. Was it last weekend? We have run it last weekend and the bank holiday Monday before, and you know it's been absolutely fabulous. We've had great support in the local area we've Brilliant. had a full houseboat night which is really wow. lovely for everybody involved just to see that there's a full crowd out there it really lifts everything so it's it, the feedback so far has been absolutely fabulous which we're delighted by all we want in the end of the day is to put on a good show and for people to have a lovely evening for themselves watching yeah. something um, so this year we're doing a John B. Keane play called Sharon's Grave it's and you know it has, has it is it's a really great play really yeah. meaty it has lots in there a bit of everything I suppose you know the themes that are running through they never age there's always a little bit of romance in there there's always you know family feuds and a little bit of worrisome over land and money and things like that the eternal things that never go away and it's a real cracker of a play it's so well written and you're running this weekend we are running this weekend on Saturday night and Sunday night so the 9th and 10th and is that and it then that, that's it for the for Glen ba- for the meantime yeah. um, they're actually going the, the weekend after down to Glenmire for a few nights on, on the road as it were but this Saturday and Sunday coming um, are our last dates in Bantier for the meantime okay. anyway do you put tickets on sale or is it at the door yeah tickets are on sale we normally recommend particularly as the response was so good last weekend um, we normally recommend ringing ahead so if you pop if you google the the Glen Theatre um, there'll be a number there to ring to just, just put your name down for the yeah. tickets we'd yeah, always advise sure. well, well done yeah. well done and it's been is this your first time as assistant director oh it is you know years and years ago I've had I've had Jeebus almost 10 years away from it but when I was let's say going through secondary school growing up I got so much out of being involved in amateur dramatics like I was at the Glen doing a fair few plays with them and they are such a nice group of people and particularly I, I remember being such a shy kid they really bought me out yeah. of myself it's <laughs> it, is, it is fantastic it, it is. is it is 
Right. Uh, but but you're, you're, you're preferring to be behind the scenes than on the stage. Do you know what? It's a big change and I kind of fell into it this year. Um, our incredible director and kind of the heart and soul of the, the drama group is a guy called Tygo Keefe. And um, for one reason or another, I ended up helping out with doing the lines and things. You know, it's just great to be involved and watching it all come together and just meeting such a lovely group of people well and, and making something interesting. Well so. done. Well done. And good luck to all involved, as I say, the last, uh, at, at, well, the last two at the Glen Theatre on this Saturday and Sunday night. OK, let me get straight into questions for you, please. Hi, my pup will not walk on the lead, says Khan. Three months old, having difficulty training him on the lead. Mm, this is always a challenge. You know, I wouldn't worry too much just yet. We all, I suppose, very much like humans, we all develop at different rates. We all have different talents. Um, sometimes we learn a little bit differently. Some might get it very quickly. Some might take a little bit longer. At three months of age, I assume you've probably only had this little pup if you've if you've acquired this pup from somewhere else, if you haven't bred it yourself. I assume you've probably only had it for the bones of three or four weeks, maybe even less. I wouldn't be panicking too much. As they long do, as Some don't take to it that quickly. No, some do, but some don't. I think really it's all about persistence, familiarity, and positive reward is okay. what I would say. You have to make walking on the lead the most exciting thing that pup will do with its day. So there has to be lots of treats involved. I normally recommend if you're going to give pups treat so that their stomachs are a little bit delicate when they're small, either use little bits of their own puppy kibble or something like, you know, a little little bit of chicken breast or ham or something like that. Something that's going to be bland enough that it won't upset the tummy, but it's tasty enough that it'll be fierce exciting to get. I think the best thing to do is make sure that your pup is used to having a collar on when supervised and also walking with the lead. The best thing to do initially is actually just to follow the pup around with the lead on. So take it out in the garden on the lead, even when it's doing its business, it's the perfect time. Follow it around. It gets used to the idea of you being attached to it by a meter or so of, 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 um, of the lead. And then gradually just say, shall we go over here? And, you know, make it really exciting, even get down on your haunches and kind of call them towards you with the lead on. Eventually, it'll begin to click if you just persist and offer lots of treats and reward when they're going in the right direction. Um, they'll get the idea they that will. it's mm. fun to ca- it's fun to and follow the there lead. There will come a time when that lead comes out where they'll be thrilled. Oh, you say thrilled. walkies and they'll be over the moon. OK, we've got a three year old Cavishan. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I need to take a drink. It seems to have regressed in that she's urinating off the mat provided for her. How can I get her back on track, says Michael. Okay, this is a little bit of a challenge, particularly with dogs that have been previously potty trained and then they decide otherwise. I think it may be it may be a wise idea to say, well, is there a medical reason that this could be occurring? Is the little cabochon, does she have a little urinary tract, a bladder infection or anything like that that's making her kind of sense of urgency with needing to pee? Um a bit more strong than normal I suppose for anybody that's ever had a bit of a bladder infection you'll know when you need to go you need to go Um, so I wonder whether something like that might be the case that she's not intending to misbehave but maybe her just urge to pee is so high because she's got a urinary tract infection so I would pop to your vet they might even take a little urine sample with you for them to test because it's unusual in a three year old isn't it? it's very unusual the only thing I would say is if there has been any kind of movement in her designated pee area um, or if there's any new smells around then that's something that can sometimes make them think, oh, I need to mark my territory a little bit. So if you changed any of your cleaning products, just have a little bit of a think about what has changed in the last little while. To get her back on track, what I would suggest is anywhere that she's peed, use a a nice strong cleaner, not ammonia-based, to clean the area really, really thoroughly. 
if there's any trace of pee smell or poo smell there, they'll think, oh, well, that's my spot. So I'll keep peeing there. So it's a bit of a I vicious remember cycle. their sense of smell is much more heightened. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They can smell things that we wouldn't smell in a million years. Okay. So clean it really well. But obviously, just be careful with what you're using, depending on the flooring type you have. Um, but give it a really good clean. And if there are any subsequent accents, clean it up straight away and clean it really, really well with the cleaner. Um, because Mary has a similar problem in that she's got a 10 month old male terrier mm-hmm. who this morning she said, I've had to put in the shed. He's weeing a lot around the house. And I'm mm. assuming wasn't doing it. No, if if this is With a 10 week old little terrier. This is a 10 month. Oh, 10 month old little terrier. Yeah. Same goes here. I just make sure that there's no problem medically that would cause a problem. So pop along to your vet, maybe bring a little pee sample. The easiest way to catch a pee sample actually is... Okay. If you get, let's say, an old lunchbox or an old takeaway container that's been through the dishwasher, mm. nice flat type container. Don't be trying to put it into a tiny little pea pot with a very small target area. It's never going to work. Um, and take your dog outside, follow it around on the lead, preferably so that you're not too far away. And as soon as they start peeing, duck underneath and collect a little pea sample. The more the merrier. Your vet will be over the moon if you have loads to bring them but even if you only have a tiny little drop bring it in when you go for your appointment it can be really helpful the important thing is don't bring it in in things like um, a jam jar that might have had sugary jam in it before because that can cause some very strange yeah. results altogether but that's a really helpful thing it's like ourselves when we go to the doctor you know if we had a peeing problem we'd bring you a little urine sample yeah. with us so that can be a really helpful thing like hopefully it won't be anything medical um, and it may just be behavioural which is by far and away the most common um, but for this little 10 month old pup that started peeing everywhere the same rules go you know clean the area really really well and because if they he'll, have fallen out think it's okay to yeah, be there if, it's if the they have fallen like out of the, the habit of peeing in a certain place treat them like pups again so take them outside lots of positive reinforcement back to basics you know, back to basics a little treat maybe after they've done their business in the right area give them plenty of opportunity to take them out and watch them really closely for cues for them to say I need to go outside um, just take them back to be okay. back to basics March says uh, could Jane give any advice about therapy dogs for somebody with epilepsy as in a dog who can foresee if an epileptic seizure is about to occur I did inquire but no one seems to really know about them would Jane have mm-hmm. any idea or where I should turn to says March yeah I, I have heard about seen it online these, yeah these mm-hmm. medical therapy dogs they are absolutely incredible and I think the thing that it really brings home to me is how incredibly clever these dogs are we don't give them credit I think a lot a lot of the time for it their senses far exceed ours in many many ways um, and being able to harness that into something that's really helpful to the human race is incredible now I know that they do exist for epilepsy um, I think as far as I'm aware personally it's mainly a US phenomena that it's, it's mainly that they're available in the States I would say the best people to speak to will be Epilepsy Ireland. Yeah. Um, have a chat with them. I'm because sure they will have, know. They will know. They yeah. will know what's available. They'll yeah. what, And if that's not available, they'll be able to help you out with um, other okay. strategies. But it is yeah. It is incredible. It, it is incredible. Absolutely yeah. in, incredible. Mary has uh, a stray cash, took him in about 12 months ago. He's recently started losing fur on his hip and leg area only. Any advice as to why this is happening? Otherwise healthy, ah. just losing fur. Losing fur in very specific areas. This is a really interesting one. Um, I would say there's a few things that would mainly cause hair loss. Um, Cats are a little bit more challenging with their hair loss than dogs. Dogs tend to shout about it if they're itchy. Cats will try and keep it the biggest secret ever. Um, They'll lick and chew and bite at themselves if they're itchy, but usually when their owners aren't watching, they're quite secretive. Um, So hair loss can sometimes be spontaneous, so it can just fall out or it can be itched out. 
or licked out as it were so it can be as a result of self-trauma now I think the important thing is it needs dealing with by a vet if there's significant hair loss visit your vet they will want to check that there's no fleas mites or lice which are by far and away the most common things that will cause itching and hair loss in dogs and cats um, they'll probably prescribe you a routine preventative that will treat them for fleas mites and lice just to make sure that that's not a problem because a lot of the time these creepy crawlies won't actually be physically seen on the cat or dog they'll live in the environment and hop on and off they might live in your dog or cat bed or in the the Mm. floorboards etc apart from that with cats you can sometimes get little let's say allergies or a contact allergy maybe it's something they've been in contact with in those specific spots somewhere they've sat it was just in one area yeah, yeah exactly it could just be something they've been in contact with as regards a cleaning chemical or something like that sometimes it can be stress related in the same way that we might bite our nails some of us i know i did um when you're a little bit stressed out cats can sometimes lick and chew with their fur Mm. Um, normally, I've seen it in cats after yeah. having kittens. Yeah, so normally they will, if they're stressed out, they'll normally lick and bite at the places that they can access easily. So normally, actually, it's their little belly and in between their back legs because they're the places they can get to really easily. So it would be a bit unusual to be over the hips. But look, mm. dogs and cats don't read the rule book. I think in Pop I think really vet. visit your vet. And why? And why would cats? This is another a, a separate listener. Why would cats suddenly start fighting? Nora has uh, cats aged between two and four. All of the minutia, three of them. They always used to get on, but the last few weeks they're fighting a lot. Mm, Fighting a lot. So the bottom line of this is cats are really solitary creatures. In the wild, they would have their territory. They would be very unhappy if somebody else invaded it. So our domestic situations where we have a number of cats, a lot of the time it works out fine, particularly if they've been raised from a young age to be that way, so they don't know anything else. But if particularly if there's been cats introduced at a later date, that's that's a cat invading their territory. Now, a lot of the time they'll work it out really well. They'll come to kind of a, an agreement between themselves, who's the who's in charge and who's not, and what their little areas are. It's interesting interesting that they were all quite settled and now it's really really flared up and there's a lot of aggro going on cats are incredibly sensitive to any change changes that we might not even notice this might have even been caused by somebody moving the sofa two inches to the right it could be anything it could be a new cleaning product a smell they don't like but i think the main things that we would see are they always will get worried about their access to resources so access to food access to water access to somewhere to pee and poo Make sure that they have ample water in numerous containers around the house. Make sure they have ample feeding feeding spots and try and feed them separately if you can. Because they prefer that. They prefer that. But far and away, the most important thing to do is make sure that your house has one more litter tray than the number of cats at least. So if you've got two cats, you need at least three or four litter trays. If you've got three cats, you need at least five or six. Put them in different places. They do not like peeing in the same litter trays. And particularly if there's... They're very ang- clean, yeah, yeah, very yeah. clean. And particularly if there's a little bit of aggro going on, they won't like the scent of the other cat, whereas previously they may have happily peed in the same litter tray. They'll just want some space. So I think give them plenty of options with their key resources and try and keep everything calm. Maybe visit your vet. Um, sometimes there's little kind of diffusers that you can plug into the wall that, you know, shed out the happy hormones as it that were. That will help them. And that might calm things down. All right, listen, you remind of information and there's a lovely call in from Tig in Mill Street to say we have a Yorkie dog called Jack. Okay. Jack was very ill and had to have major surgery performed by the one and only Jane Pickett about four <laughs> weeks ago. Tig was on to say Jack is now 100% and he wants to say bless your hands, Jane, you are gifted. Oh. Thank you to Jane and the team in Newmarket. Oh, Isn't that goodness, lovely? That's and so thank lovely. you, Tig. 
Mike for taking time out uh, to call us with that. Okay, Jane, have a lovely week. Thank Good you. luck at the weekend with uh, the acting. Lovely. And uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. That's Jane uh, Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Mairead and to John Paul, who were on the phones and producing today. We are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon until tomorrow. I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online or grab our mobile app. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. C103. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.